0: I'm going to begin reading it, verse number 22. Acts chapter 17, verse number 22. Incredible passage of Scripture that I believe is so fitting for the day and the hour in which we're living in. Acts 17, 22, I'm reading in the English Standard Version. Said says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way... nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined the allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Here's why. That they should seek God. And perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from each one of us Paul said this is why God made man and placed him upon the earth that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him yet he is actually not far from each one of us For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we are indeed His offspring. Today I want to preach to you from this great passage of Scripture. Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Lord, God, I pray you would show yourself to this house, God. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to somebody who feels like you're far away. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would show up in this place. God, let the heavens be open and our hearts receive what you want to do in this place. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Deep in the southern reaches of the central highlands of Sri Lanka stands a seventy four foot hundred tall cone shaped mountain peak. Adams Peak is, as it is called, is considered to be a holy place. On the top of the peak sits a lump of dented rock known as the Shri Pada or the Sacred Footprint. Buddhists believe that the dent in the rock is the footprint of the Buddha himself. Meanwhile, Hindus believe that it is the footprint of Shiva. Local Christians and Muslims from that area hold that it must be the footprint of Adam or even of St. Thomas who preached the gospel there. For several religions it is a place where People seek to interact with the ancient and to find the divine. Devotees must travel deep into Sri Lanka and make an arduous climb to the top of a craggy peak. It is a long journey, but they believe that when they worship there, that their God will be a little bit closer. The divine will be a little more reachable. The heavenly will be a little more attainable. And so they travel great distances in a pilgrimage to a prehistoric footprint that they believe brings a distant God a little bit closer. Adam's Peak is not unique because the globe is dotted with such holy places. Time would not allow us to expound on all of the places where people go to seek and feel and find after God. They travel to Mecca. They go to Rome, to Jerusalem, even Japan and a whole other host of locales, people of every nation, tribe and tongue seeking a place where they might experience and find something divine, where they might for a moment, get in touch with the God that they're searching for and seeking after. When I was uh, 18 years old, we went on a mission trip to uh Manila for um uh, it was in the year 2000. It was uh, actually at New Year's Day in 2000 the uh, the conference kicked off and we had a huge crusade there. 100 uh, I believe 150,000 over the whole crusade were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Incredible. Missions trip a life-changing trip for me. But during that trip, we we did some sightseeing and I will never forget standing in the church of the black Nazarene in Chiapo. Our little group watched as little old men and women would take off their shoes in the courtyard and they would pull off their socks and roll up their pants and they would get down on their hands and knees and crawl across the stone courtyard into the church building and all the way down a long, long aisle only to touch the feet of a dark wood carving of Jesus, the black Nazarene that they had believed had healing power and that was ordained by God. The worshipers from there will literally crawl on hands and feet For hundreds of yards, scarring their knees and their hands just for a mere touch at something that they believe is divine. The worshipers at Adams peak and the church of the black Nazarene are convinced of the same thing that God must surely be in a place that's difficult to reach, that one must make a pilgrimage or crawl across stone and pavement that surely God exists, but he can't be here. He must Be there. He must be in some far unreachable place. He must be up some steep climb in some prestigious temple that surely there's a God. But he must not be here. They're searching for God. Looking for an experience with the divine. Climbing, crawling, taking twists and turns. Pushing through pain and humiliation. If only for an opportunity to find God. And I want to tell you today in the beginning of this message that they are not alone. This is the historic activity of all humanity. People all around us are searching for God. And let me tell you, some will turn to two-bit evangelists. I remember as a a family member of ours was aging, she began to send money off to all of these televangelists and people, and they were sending her anointed uh, cloth back. My my sister-in-law used to work in the office. Many of you have heard of Peter Popoff. She used to work in the office that responded to his mail. People would send these letters for prayer. And what they were doing in an office is they had a stack of, of anointed cloths that they would stuff in the, in the envelope to the return address and they would throw the letter away and nobody would read it. Some are searching for God and they'll turn to a two-bit televangelist who's in it for profit. Others will turn to acclaimed institutions and ascend to the heights of theology and philosophy all looking for the same same. Same thing, looking for God in this world, searching for God. Some will search in hallowed halls of religion and others have thrown up their hands in defeat and given up searching at all. The conclusion that many have come to is that if God exists, he must be far from here. He must be far from here. Even the Nazarenes made this mistake. When they met God in flesh, they were amazed at Jesus' words and His grace. The Bible said they heard Him teach... In the, ta- in the temple, in the synagogue. And they were blown away at the authority and the anointing that was upon him. But when they began to think about it, the Bible says they were amazed. But they reasoned, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this Joseph's boy? Isn't he from here? Didn't he grow up right down the street? Didn't I see him playing in the dirt on my way home from work every day? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he from here? Surely, if God came, he wouldn't come here. Surely, if God showed up on the scenes of humanity, it wouldn't be here in Nazareth. Surely, if there is a God and the Son of God has come. It's not here. And Scripture says Jesus could do no great work there because they did not have faith. Surely, they reason that God must not be here. They couldn't believe it, and so he couldn't work there. And before we were quick to throw stones today... I wonder how many of us have had the same reasoning echoing in our souls. Yes, we believe that God is real. Yes, we believe that God exists. Yes, we believe that God is able to heal. Yes, we believe that God is able to deliver. Yes, we believe that God is able to restore. But when it comes down to being in our house and in our home and in our place and in our life, suddenly we step back and say, is this not... Joseph, Joseph, son, is this not? it, It surely could not happen here. Surely, he can't be where I'm living. And we look at the conditions of our life and of our family, and of our world. We see our frustrations. We see our questions. We see all the undone things. And while we would never say it out loud, we at times think within ourselves, God is real. God is exists. Yes, He exists. But is God even here? Is God close? Surely He must be far away from here. Surely I've got to travel over mountains and valleys and climb up to high peaks in order to find, This eternal God who is above all Surely God must be In some special place But it doesn't feel Like he's here and we find ourselves searching and seeking a God that we surely must believe on the other, uh, uh, exists on the other side of our trouble. Maybe he's waiting just around the next bend and the corner and the turn of life. That if this will happen, then I'll know that you're with me, God. And if that will happen, maybe he will show up soon. But for now, it just feels like he's far away. My marriage is failing. My kids are wandering away. My future seems unsure. My doubts scream loud. Fears fill my thoughts. I don't know which way to turn left or right when I pray. It feels like it doesn't work. Am I preaching to anybody in this house today? My goodness, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And you're asking the question, God, yes, you exist, but where are you, God? Where are you? Are you here You see, life has a way of bringing us into the search party for God. We see the suffering. We see the senseless. We see a world of people screaming each other down. People dying in the streets. Children dying in the schools. And people inevitably will ask the question, where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? And if we can be honest for a moment today, humanity struggles to find God. We convince ourselves He must be in some far place. That he must only be reached by great effort That weary and broken We must scrap and crawl To that faraway peak of faith And that maybe there we will find God But surely not here I've come to preach to someone today That feels like God must be far away And I've saved my message title To right now And here is the message that I feel like God sent me here to preach to you today. Is that God is not far. God is not far. Don't let circumstances convince you that He's not here. Don't let the the raging of the evil men and women in this world convince you that God is not here. Don't let all the mess that you see around you convince you that God is not here. Because God is not far. God is not far. He's a God that can be found. He is an ever-present God. He's a God that fills all heaven and earth. He's a God that is above all and through all. And Paul said even in you all. He is engaged with the affairs of men. He knows the beginning from the ending and he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And so no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, I've come to tell somebody that God is not far. He is as close as the mention of his name. I pray somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost today. That God is not far. Isaiah 55 opens with an invitation from God. He says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy and eat. Buy wine and milk without money and without price. Then in verse 3, he says, Incline your ear and come to me. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm talking. here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. What are you saying Isaiah? Isaiah heard the spirit of God saying if you're thirsty for God come. If you're hungry but you don't have anything with which to barter with God he said, 'Come on anyways. You don't have to pay the bill. The bill's already been paid. Just if you're hungry just come on. Just come close. Open up your ear and hear that God is calling to you. Seek the Lord while He may be found. And call upon Him while He is near. Isaiah was speaking to people who were separated from God by their sins. He would later tell them why God felt so far. Because sin painted a picture that God put God over there. Have you ever noticed that? The further we get into sin the further God feels from us. And Isaiah in in chapter 59 says, It is your iniquities that have separated you from God. In other words, we live our own path, we live our own way, we do our own thing, we follow our own desires, and then one day we wake up and we've realized that we feel like God is could He couldn't be close to me here. He couldn't find me here. I can't find him here. God is not near, but Isaiah says, In spite of your sin, there's a God that is calling. Come near, seek me while I may be found. Call upon me while I am near. If you're searching. He said, come to me. If you're looking for answers, you don't have to stay in confusion. If your soul is thirsty for an answer, you don't have to stay there. Seek me while I am near. He's a God that can be found. Somebody say, you can find him. You can find him. God is not hiding from you. God has not hidden himself. The Bible says, if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Why? Because they have, have followed after so many things that have obscured the vision of God, the truth of God. They have lived in a world that is so dark and have turned their face so towards dark things that they cannot discern a God who is standing close to them. And if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. God is saying, it feels like I'm far, but I'm really not far at all. He's a God that can be found. But I want to tell you, He's not in a place. You can't find God in a place. I know it's ironic to say that on a Sunday morning in a church, (laughs) where people came looking to experience God. But God cannot be constrained to a place. The Bible says heaven and earth can't even contain Him. Solomon, who built Him a temple... He said this in 1 Kings 8:27 He said but will God indeed dwell on earth for behold, even uh, the heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. And how much less this house that I have built. What he's saying is, even though God has inhabited this place and even though God has manifested in this place, and even though God hears prayers that happen in this place, even the highest heaven cannot contain God. In other words, yes, he's here, but he's not just here. Yes, he's here, but he's not just here. He's just as close when you're out in the deep depths of darkness as He is when you're standing in the light. He says even the highest heavens cannot contain you. In other words, yes, you're here, but you're there too. And so here we are on a Sunday morning feeling the presence of God. Yes, He's here, but He's also in the living room with the agnostic today who's looking for answers. Shall heaven even contain Him? God isn't in a place. He doesn't dwell in golden cathedrals or in the highest of peaks. He can't be found in a pilgrim's journey or in an image carved by man's hands. And yet, I've come to tell you today, he's not far. Somebody say, he's not far. Acts 17 tells the story of Paul's experience at Oropagus. It was an unplanned stop in his missionary journeys. It was never supposed to happen. Just a few verses earlier, Paul was preaching in Thessalonica. And as Paul was an anointed apostle of God, people were being saved left and right. I mean, the whole town was turned upside down by the preaching of Paul. So that many of the Jews grew angry with him and began to try to capture him, to take his life and kill him. And so Paul, the Bible says, at the advice of the church, fled to Berea. And when he arrives in Berea, he hits the ground preaching and winning souls. And and in the Bereans, the Bible says he would preach and they would go study the word of God night and day to see that the things that Paul said were so. And a great revival starts happening in Berea in just a few days. And the Jews back in Thessalonica, they hear that Paul has gone to Berea and he's doing the same thing. And so the Bible says they sent a posse after him. They sent people after him to capture him in Berea. And so, once again, Paul, for his own protection, is ushered out of town by fellow believers. And they take him to Athens. Athens was just a stop, a pit stop in the road. It was supposed to be a few days in Athens, and then Paul would leave. Uh, After Silas and Timothy arrived, they would get on a ship. And sail to some other part of the world. And so Paul has a few days to kill in Athens. Beautiful city in Greece. And Paul, as he walks through the streets of Athens, begins to see these people that are groping in darkness. Paul looks around and he begins to see the condition of the spiritual Athens. A beautiful city. Monumental, historic Beauty all around. But they are lost in darkness. And the Bible says, as Paul watches the Athenians for a few days, his spirit is stirred within him. And Paul witnessed the streets and markets that are filled with religious idols. Athens was an intellectual and religious powerhouse. There the philosophers came to stand at the Oropagus and struggle through the issues of existence. It was the pinnacle of education and intelligentsia of the day. Paul saw all the searching souls... And he stirred. And so the Bible says he began to preach Jesus to them. And it only took a few days before the Athenians caught wind of this new message. And they wanted to hear more about it. And so the Bible says they compel Paul. They go and find him. And they say, will you come and share your message with us? We want to hear what you have to say. The Bible says that the Athenians loved to hear and debate every new thing. So they want to hear what Paul has to say. You know those times when you get what you asked for, but you, don't, you didn't ask for what you got? <laughs> this is one of those times. They say, Paul, come tell us this message. Come share with us this revelation, this foreign God that you're preaching about. And so they compelled Paul to climb their holy hill and tell them the message. And so Paul climbs the hill with a message in Acts seventeen twenty two, Standing in the midst of the Oropagus, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For I pass along and observe the objects of your worship. And I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Paul had witnessed for days now how religious they were, how they were searching. They were looking for the divine all around them. They were worshiping idols while recognizing that there was a God that they did not know. In other words, this one altar was a witness against their religious experience. Because this one altar said, surely there must be a God that is bigger than the gods that we know. Surely, there must be a God that is above all the gods that we know and worship. Surely, there must be a God that cannot be contained by an idol. And so, they built him a monument and said, this is to the God that we don't know. They had fashioned some gods for themselves. But they had not found the unknown God. And I I just want to pause and say that's how it always works. That in the absence of an understanding of God, people will fashion a God for themselves. Even if they recognize that I don't know everything, they will fashion something that they're going to seek after. to. Something that they're going to give their life away for. And so Paul sees them, and he sees this great evidence in their life that they have not truly found the God that they're looking for. They're searching for something more. And Paul says, I see that you're religious, and I've come to declare to you what you've been looking for. He says, what therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And Paul begins to preach. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Standing in the oropagus with temples all around and idolatry on every street corner, Paul stands and he says, Let me tell you about this God. This God is bigger than a place. This God is bigger than a building. This God, He's the Lord of heaven and on earth and He cannot be contained by temples built by man. This God is the God of eternity. Nor... Is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. In other words, this God doesn't need a worshiper to come and prop him up. This God doesn't need a worshiper to come set him up in some beautiful temple. This God does not need man. Man needs this God. He says, nor is He served by human hands as though he's needed anything since He Himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Paul declared that the God they hadn't found was the Creator of the cosmos, that He was above it all, that He couldn't be contained by a place and wasn't limited by what men had to offer. And Paul said that He is the giver and the sustainer of life. And He made... "...from one man, every nation of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place." Paul says God placed man upon this earth. He sets up kingdoms and watches them falls. He, He allots boundaries and periods of their habitation. God is the giver and sustainer of life. And He looks over the affairs of man. Why? So that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. Paul says, God created us to seek after Him and to find Him. Not to seek after Him and end in frustration. But he said, God created us to seek after God and feel, perhaps feel our way towards Him and find Him. He said, God created us not, not to, to think our way towards Him. Not to strategize some measure means. By which we can find God. Paul, standing in the Oropagus, says God created us. And he puts something down deep inside a man that will seek after God. And Paul sees all of these people seeking all of these ways. They're building idols. They're chanting. They're looking in philosophy. Everything that inhabits our society was standing face to face face with Paul that day. He could see them seeking after all the wrong things. Living for all the wrong reasons. Looking for meaning and purpose where it could not be found. And Paul says, God created us that we would seek after Him. And that Perhaps if we could just feel after Him, we could find Him. Because He's not far. So here, Paul's formula for finding God. The answer to the question of all questions. God created man to seek after Him. And so... The first thing he says is that we must seek God. That means if I want to live as God intended, I need to stop seeking all the wrong things and start seeking after Him. Paul goes on to say that God once turned a blind eye to ignorance, but He now commands all men everywhere to repent. So he's saying that what you've got to do if you want to find God is you've got to stop looking in all of the wrong places. You've got to stop imagining that He must be far away. You've got to stop imagining that it must take some great effort to find God. He said, you've got to stop chasing after your idols. You've got to stop chasing after your education. You've got to stop chasing after philosophy. And he said, turn your heart towards God. Repent and be saved. Turn your heart from following after the empty things to seek the living God. You want to know what makes God feel far? Is when we run off after everything else. And forget God. And forget our maker when we run after career, and then we wake up one day and say, where is God in all of this? When our kids are lost and and they're, they're away from God and we say, where is God in all of this? Let me tell you, honey, you can't find God when you're seeking something else. You can't find God when you're living your life for something else. If you would turn your heart towards God, he said, God created us that we would seek after Him. And so as long as you're looking for something else and looking at other places, you won't find God, there. You can't educate yourself enough to find God. You can't travel far enough to find God. He's not a God that dwells in temples, He's not a God that inhabits special places. Paul said He's near to each one of us, but we've got to seek after Him. What would happen to our church? What would happen to our community if people turned and started seeking after God? What would happen to parents if parents stopped seeking after being popular and, uh, with their kids? What would happen if children said, I don't care what the world thinks of me. I'm not looking for approval. I'm looking. I'm seeking after God. Paul said the first step in finding God is you've got to seek after Him. In other words, he said you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from all that other stuff that left you frustrated and failing and hopeless in life. You look to relationships and relationships couldn't give it. You look to substance and substance couldn't give it. You looked to significance and significance couldn't give it. But now, if I can turn my heart to God, I can find Him. He says we must seek after God. He said, if perhaps we might feel. Somebody say, feel after Him. Well, how, how do I seek God? How do I seek God? Paul said, if perhaps they might feel after Him and find Him. Let me tell you something. Finding God is not an issue of the head. It's an issue of the heart. Finding God is not an issue of information And of facts. Abraham found God. And he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a preacher. He didn't have a church to go to. Relatively few of the things which we identify with God, Abraham found him. Because Abraham recognized and sought after him with his heart. Let me tell you something. It's not an information. It's not not an intellectualism. It's not if we can figure out the story of creation and the cosmos well enough. Understand this. How do I seek Him? Here stands Paul at the center of philosophical conjecture. Where they had heard and considered every idea. They had been through the mental gymnastics of epistemology, cosmology, theology, and every other kind of ology that they could hear in their day and age. They had filled their head with ideas from humanity's greatest thinkers. And they still had an altar to an unknown God. They still had an altar, a witness against them that they had not found God. And so they knew a lot of stuff, but they didn't know God. Here come the apostles. They don't know a lot of stuff. They perceived that they had not been educated, but that they had been with Jesus. They didn't know the right stuff. They didn't have the right education, but they had found the one worth living for. How did we find him? They had been through the mental gymnastics. They had filled their head with ideas. But they still had that altar to the unknown God. And Paul was saying that you won't find him with your head. You will have to feel after him. And reach after Him with your heart. Do you know why some people can't find God? It's because they're busy trying to figure it out. Instead of just opening up on the inside and saying, God, I don't know what I need to know. God, I don't even know what I don't know. But God, I am reaching for You. I'm feeling after You. Faith does not come when we've figured it out. Faith comes before that. F- faith will bring some information to you. But faith comes before that. It's when somebody says, I've been living in darkness for t- too long, And surely there must be a God that can find me. Surely there must be a God that can help me, that can heal me, that can make me whole. Somebody said you've got to feel after. Him. Paul was saying you don't find it with your head, you've got to feel with your heart. Romans 10.3 tells about men who are ignorant of God's righteousness. And so what they did is they go about to establish a righteousness of their own. And they do not submit themselves to God. They know stuff. They know religion, but they don't know God. They have a form of righteousness, but no power thereof. Right? And Romans tells us they know stuff, but they don't really know God. They're living every day, going to the temple, but they don't really know God. And then Paul turns the subject to the kind of seeking that works. He says, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Paul is saying this. He's saying that it's not about going to some special place Or using your religious skills to ascend into heaven Or down into the abyss It's not in a place, he says But the word is near you It's even in your heart and in your mouth The word of faith He says it doesn't happen on the outside. It doesn't happen with great effort. But you find God when you feel after God. The Word is near you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It comes from the inside. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Hear me today, it's not in the head. Somebody say, it's not in the head. It's in the heart. And if it ever gets in the heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. It's in the heart. And so how how do we find God? How do we find God? Over the last few months, I've listened to many, many debates between Christians and atheists. So much information, so much... Reasonable and logical defense of our faith. But I noticed something that not a single atheist found God by reason or logic. Not a single one of them converted because they said, well, you've given me, you've destroyed the logic behind my idea. Now I must agree that there is a God. You want to know why? It's not about information. You can debate. You can win the argument. But the argument is not the object. That brings faith It's the heart It's the heart And somebody has to make The willing act Of saying Lord I'm opening My heart up to this God I'm opening Myself I'm feeling God I can't see you I can't feel you, but I'm groping after I'm feeling after you, God I'm, I'm reaching, Lord, I don't know where you are in my circumstance God, I don't know where you are in my situation, I don't see you working, but God I am feeling after you so that I can find you God, I'm feeling, and listen to what Jeremiah says, he says, you shall seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart Paul says perhaps they might feel after God and find Him. Paul says to these educated, religious people that are worshipping idols and running after every idea of man looking for something. In the midst of that city, Paul was overwhelmed with the spiritual darkness. And he says to them, you've got to find and feel after God you've got to find and feel him he may feel like he's far but hear me today he's not actually far from any of us he's not actually far from any of us Paul was saying to the searching souls of Athens that God is not in all the places you've been searching and seeking God isn't there He's here God isn't in the education He isn't in the philosophical argument He isn't in all the things you've been looking to and spending your life chasing Paul says God is not there God is here God is not there I want somebody to hear it in the Holy Ghost God is not there God is here. He's right with you. Paul said you've been seeking and you've been searching. And the words he uses, he says if perhaps they might feel after him, it's actually the word groping, like somebody groping in the dark. And this is how Paul sees the, the men and women of Athens is they're looking for God, but they can't see anything. And so they're just reaching out for something. Anything that will satisfy them the soul. And Paul says, he feels like he's so far. Yet he is actually not far from any one of us. He says, you feel like you'll never find him. You feel like this altar to the unknown God will stand in your life forever. Things about God and experiences of God that I will never have or never experience. And it stands as a condemnation of the way we've been living. But Paul says, I know you feel like he's far. I know it feels like you'll never find him. I know it feels like you'll never see him. But he said, if you'll just feel after him, you'll find that he is not far from you at all. Even if here is in the middle of the divorce, he's here. Even if here is in dealing with brokenness... In addiction, He's here. Even if here is an educated skepticism and hopelessness, He's here. Even if here is in the midst of hurting and senseless suffering, He is here. No matter how dark the night, no matter how great the fight, God is not far from any one of us. Somebody say it with me, He's here. He's here. He's here. You can find Him right here where you're living. And that's what I'll come to preach. I want us to stand together. You can find Him right here. Right where you're living. Right where you're suffering. Right where you're struggling. We convince ourselves that something must change. Something must happen. And then God will show up. And then God will reveal Himself. But I'm telling you today that what Paul said is so true. He said god created us that we would see so all you've got to do today is if you'll turn your heart to god if you'll repent from all the other things that you've been looking towards and running after and you'll turn your heart to god even if you don't see him even if you don't know what you don't know even if you don't know what to do or how to pray he says it's like a man groping in the dark searching have you ever looked for the light switch when the lights off you believe it's there, you know it's there, but you can't exactly find it, so what do you do? You just feel after it. Until last night I was walking through the house, I forgot something in the kitchen, and uh, I went back into the kitchen, and I looked for the door handle, and I, I'm pretty, I know my house pretty well, but I ended up standing in the corner. I reached out and I touched the corner, I said, oh, well, oh, well, he's not there. That's what we've been doing. We've been saying, oh, is it over here? No, it's not there. And we move over It's not there But here's what I've come to tell you If you'll just feel after Him You may not find Him right away It may not happen in an instant But God says I am close Have you ever bumped into somebody in the dark? You didn't realize how close they were? It felt like they were far away. You thought that they weren't anywhere near, but just suddenly they're there. This is what God says today. God says, it may feel like I'm far, but if you'll turn your heart and feel after me, you will find me if you'll search for me with all of your heart. I want to bow our heads and we're going to get ready to open these altars. I want to ask the church up front, I want to ask you to come because there are people who are struggling with issues of faith. People who are struggling in the middle of a dark time in their heart and in their life. And they need to know God is here. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. So even if you, you, you're not looking for God, you've already found Him, I want you to come to this altar and just worship Him in a moment. But I'm going to make a general altar call to people right now. You can go ahead and start moving out of your seats. If you have been searching and looking for God, I want to tell you, you've got to feel after Him. You've got to open up your heart. You can't just get the ideas and the doctrines in your head. You can come here and hear sermon after sermon. It will never impact your life until you open up your heart and begin to Seek after God. It's in the seeking and in the searching that you will find Him. God is here in this place today. And you can find Him. Can we lift our hands and pray as people move to this altar? Church, would you move to this altar? Heavenly Father, God, I pray for the hurting heart. I pray for the person standing in the dark. God, I pray for the person that's lost. God, that doesn't know where their faith Where they left it behind. God, I pray for them today. God, that they would come to this altar. And that they would find that you're closer than they ever imagined. God, just like Jacob laying underneath the stars. When he said, surely the presence of God is in this place. And I did not know. Surely God is here. Even though I didn't discern it. Surely God is with me. Surely God is standing right close. Have you come to the end of cell to you thirst for a drink from the well?